Welcome to the show, everybody. Heads and Tails podcast here for episode two. And uh, we're back in the studio, Warren. We survived the first one. Yes. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, to many more with you, you young Oh, wow. You. That's nice of you to say. Well, it's in the script. I have to. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, Thanks to. for reading the copy I wrote. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome very much. Hey, your check's cash, man. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, today we have Lance Winters, who is the owner and master distiller at St. George Spirits here in the lovely Bay Area. And um, I'm really excited to talk to Lance today about all of his spirits, because you've seen St. George around for, for years. Yeah, for apparently years. they've been around for 35 or so. Yeah, I and know. I, I just heard That's about crazy. them a few years ago. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And 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 it's you know it's because I think we were kind of see are we late or are we early into the spear game? I don't know. Probably late. You think we you think we're late in like the craft or maybe we're just right here. The movement has kind of propelled just people across generations. Do we have a generation gap? Are we no, starting a movement? So. I feel like we might be starting <laughs> yeah, a movement. We're, we're somewhere. <laughs> we're somewhere in the middle of that. Moving. But, uh, yeah, but I'm excited to talk to Lance here about what he's seen in the spirits world, and especially in the craft spirits world over the past, you know, 35 years or whatever it's been, yeah. and uh, how everything's been progressing and, and how, uh, you know, they fit in with the whole scene and what they're doing. And, and, uh, and then... We're going to taste some spirits. Yes. But first, I do want to thank our sponsor, Pico Brew. You can get the Pico Still, and you can do some distilling at home. It's uh, it's pretty cool, yeah. man. Of water and make mineral spirits. Whatever. I'm just going to leave it things. at distill whatever you want. Yeah. It's your thing. You can do it. Uh, it attaches right over one of their uh, little kegs, so you can distill, Yeah, like Warren said, water, herbs if you want, yeah. spices, grains. Oh, yeah. You can Extracts. Distill. You can do whatever whatever you guys want to do. Uh, you can make little pilot batches, too, if you're a professional distiller, if you want to see how things work, or uh, you know whatever you guys want to do. But anyway, check it out. Go to PicoBrew.com, and it is called the Pico Still. You can't miss it. It's in the product section. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting one of these. Yes. I'm looking forward to using one of these in a very legal <laughs> sense. Of course. Way, because, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm having a hard time, man. I broke into that Aqua V from mm. Venus last time we mm -hmm. had. You look at you. You're like shooting daggers at me right now. Um, <laughs> How's that treating you? It's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um Warren really wanted that uh, that spirit, and I was like, bro, I really want this, too. And Warren acquiesced, and he was a very nice man to do so. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, apparently you shouldn't drink beers and then uh, wine and then go, you know what sounds great? Liquor. Huh. Yeah. So You must be a really slow learner. <laughs> I'm just stubborn, I guess. <laughs> I feel like one day I'll just master how much of each to uh, have. Right. You're just doing it wrong. It's a ratio. It has yeah. to be mm -hmm. some sort of a ratio to not wake up feeling like a turd. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you should try more next time. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. It's like, man, I don't feel good. You know what I need is let's just do more of this. Yeah. Well, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. I Let really, me know how that goes. Yeah, I appreciate that, Warren. Uh, Lance. Yes. How you doing, man? I'm excellent, thanks. How are you guys doing? Perfect, perfect. Thanks again for coming in, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. So, in my notes here, uh, and like Warren mentioned, um, you guys are celebrating 35 years at St. George, and uh, that makes us um, that makes you, not us, because I don't work for you, uh, America's oldest craft distiller. That is correct. That seems... It, Warren told me that. I was like, well, that God, is that even... Right, I, and I, I, I guess it, it is. I mean, that's um, you don't look all, that all you people old. out in po podcast land can't see me nodding right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> nodding. yeah, that's why I'm actually saying that I'm nodding, so I can describe that action. Right, to you. yes, the I meta understand the way this works. <gasps> right, the, the magic of radio. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the, you, well, the magic of radio is I'm beautiful right now. Uh, that's right. Yeah. We're all there. We're all in our tw early twenties. Yeah. yeah, you guys don't very even know. Handsome. We are. Yeah. We are so. We are so <laughs> handsome. Right. It's you, crazy. you don't look like you've been distilling for thirty five years. <laughs> um, Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually haven't. I've been distilling for about 25, 26 years now. Okay. Um, I started uh, somewhat south of Lawfully with uh, with a still in my garage. Here, uh, I believe that the statute of limitations is <laughs> at this point. Right. I'm 100% certain. But uh, I, I had been a brewer 
Before that, I was in the Navy running nuclear power plants on the USS Enterprise aircraft carrier, not a starship. Right. Um, That's too and, bad. Yeah. Hmm. And, then, uh, and then when I got out of the Navy, I ended up going to work at a brew pub down in Fremont. Okay. And while I was there, I fell in love with single malt whiskeys, realized that mm-hmm. making whiskey is half brewing and then the other half's distilling. And since I had a pretty decent handle on the brewing half, yeah. I figured I'd dive in on this uh, distilling half. Started distilling in my garage, uh, realized I wanted to go legit with it. This is what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. Yeah. Uh, and reached out to St. George Spirits, which had been going for 14 years at the point that I reached out to them. I showed up there 21 years ago with a bottle of homemade whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jorg Rupp, the founder of the distillery, who I think we should talk about more at, at, at length. Sure. Uh, Jorg tasted my whiskey, pronounced it inoffensive. Uh, which, which <laughs> hey, I later, I later learned that was very high praise from York. Okay, uh, but uh, I, I, he said we'll try you out for a month. Wow! And okay. uh, I quit my job at the brew pub the next day and never looked back. That's that's a good story because it it pretty much parallels most home brewers getting into the beer side. Where they make it at home, they bring it into their local brew pub, right? Mm-hmm. And then it is pronounced inoffensive or <laughs> right. uh, there's no flaws. I didn't spit it out and it's not contaminated. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sure. You're hired. Come on and wash like, kegs for a month for free and then yeah. see what happens. And if, if, if you're brewing at home uh, in a kitchen, which is a non-dedicated brewing space and mm-hmm. it's never going to be as sanitary as a brew house is going to be. Yeah. And you can, you can put out a halfway decent beer. Somebody gives you the right space to play in and the right equipment to work on. You're going to be able to nail it. Mm. I think a lot of if somebody's a competent home brewer, they can be a fantastic commercial brewer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I stand by that. Yeah, I. Uh, what about I distillers? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a different a, story. That's a totally different story. <laughs> yeah, I, because you I, and and honestly, you have to be a really good fermenter. Don't mm-hmm. don't tell anybody I said this. This is between you and me. No one's and the millions of people that will be listening to the podcast. <laughs> but it's just our little secret. Sure. That, the distillation part's actually the easy thing. Oh. You you win or lose the game at the fermentation at selecting the raw materials. Um, there are some places where that's that's not as generic as generalized. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, when it comes to being able to blend barreled spirits, things like that, there there's a whole other skill set. But uh, it's it's really about the fermentation. That seems like a different school of thought than I've heard some distillers talk about. They haven't been doing it as long as I have. Okay, they're a little full of themselves. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, they, I, I, and and they're not ready to let that secret out. I, oh, okay. I, I feel confident in my place in this uh, in this whole society, so I'm okay with it. That it's fermentation above all. Which yeah. I mean, I guess if you think about it, it, makes kind of sense because distillation is it's just you're following steps. But the fermentation is where things can get out of hand. Distillation is where right? you're concentrating aromas and flavors. Mm-hmm. And if if you haven't made good aromas and flavors in your fermentation, or if you've made funky ones with bacterial oh, okay. infections mm-hmm. or, uh, or bad beast material, yeah. then you're going to be concentrating those. So quality in, quality out. Yep. That's right. Okay, you're not going to clear up any off flavors by distilling them off and right. thinking that it'll, over time or whatever, it'll If you've be, got something bad to start with, the yeah. best that you can do is make it lean and neutral. And that's that's just boring. Right. Don't, don't do boring. No. <laughs> boring. So, do you think there are a lot of boring spirits out there in the world? Yes, I do. Yeah? Uh, I, I think that the bulk of those boring spirits end up coming from really large producers mm-hmm. who are out there creating commoditized beverages. Um, and I think that's that's really what the whole the whole craft distilling movement's all about is being able to show that there's uh, there's the ability to make things that are very very different from things that we've been drinking since prohibition, and and shifting things up. Small distillers are much more maneuverable than these large companies. They'll spend more money on uh, an R and D campaign and then a marketing campaign mm-hmm. than we'll see in a year. Right, but we're able to to turn on a dime once we're inspired by something and create a new product, and and we can we can bring that into more detail later on when we're tasting, or I can I can tell you about that right now. No, I'm, well, let's do it because you have some pretty creative spirits in front of you, so let's talk a little bit about each one of those as we're drinking it. That yeah. um, you know, I think that would that would go well. But but going back thirty five oh, yeah. years, uh, when when Jörg came here, yeah. Jörg came from Germany. He was a judge with the Ministry of Culture in Germany. Okay. And when he came here, uh, he saw people drinking wine coolers. Yeah. 
wine coolers. So anytime <laughs> Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc are so powerful that you have to adulterate them with 7-Up or soda water, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a really bizarre time. And to come into the country and say, hey, look at what these people are drinking. I think I'm going to make eau de vie. I'm going to make I'm going to make a spirit that's 40% ethanol and you don't mix drink you don't mix with it you just drink it neat yeah, um, it takes a special kind of crazy to do that. It's exactly <laughs> I, that special kind of crazy. It sounds like it, it. It takes somebody who's used to drinking that forty percent on a regular yeah. basis to think, you know, what everybody needs is more of this stuff. What is that? What's the base of that spirit? Uh, it's it's fruit. It's whatever okay. fruit you want to work with. So the beauty of Ode V and the, it it forms the foundation of pretty much everything we do at St. George Spirits. Um, Perro de V, for example, it's the it's the the spirit that's sort of our flagship. A glass of Perro de V smells and tastes like a room with forty thousand pounds of pears in it. Wow! Hmm. It's bright and sweet and warm. It smells like the the end of summer and the beginning of autumn, where you still have those beautiful warm nights and the fruits all starting to ripen. That's yeah. what it smells like. And when when you distill an eau de vie from raspberries, it smells like that that bright, delicious sort of briary raspberry character. Mm-hmm. Um, you can distill from apples, you can distill from cherries, anything like that. But the goal is to take all the things that you fell in love with from that base material and deliver it to a glass, so that when you put that glass under your nose and you smell it, you're instantly transported to a field of whatever that fruit is. So it's a it's a very poetic spirit, and and our goal is as being as distillers at St. George Spirits, Mm -hmm. is to take all the best characteristics of any raw materials we're working with and deliver those to the glass in the the goal of transporting someone somewhere else. Wow. How does that different from a brandy? I'm really new to these styles. So when's the last time you picked up a brandy like a cognac or an armagnac and smelled it and thought grapes? Okay. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the difference. Okay. Yeah. And, Answer the man. Uh, last night when I mixed it with some eggnog. There, there you for, go. I, yeah. I, I had some cognac with some Welch's Concord grape uh, in there. Mm-hmm. So just stirred that together. Oh. Perfect. That's how okay. I get the grape then. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's about the essence of whatever the fruit you're working with. Totally. Which is which is great. And you know I'm I'm starting to learn about like uh, apple brandy. Yeah. And, and and there's a there's a distillery in Oregon that makes a really lovely one, which sounds a lot like what you're describing. It's it's like eating the apple. It's not just apple essence. Yeah. It's the skin. It's the meat. It's just maybe even the flower. And, and it's and it's and it seems very hard. To, well, in my mind, it seems easy because oh, you're just you're just putting the product in there. But I understand on a production level, it's very hard because nobody. Not nobody. A lot of people don't do such a great job. It's a very one-dimensional. But it sounds like yeah, there, and there are like a lot of things are... that are difficult about something like that, especially when yeah. you're talking about apple brandy. And I'm assuming that the one that you're talking about is one that's barrel aged, or is it unaged? There were two. I have a barrel aged one. Okay, but yeah, the okay. one I'm thinking is it, of is, is it a Clear aged. Creek. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, which. By the way, one of the distilleries that Jorg helped get started, mm-hmm. uh, one of the beautiful things about what Jorg did when he first started was he realized that there needed to be more people in the industry yeah. uh, to be able to create a category instead of just being one crazy immigrant that came in to do this. <laughs> Let's have a whole lot of crazy people doing it. So there's yeah. a movement. So he, he actively created the craft distilling movement. Wow. We call him the godfather of artisanal distillation because of that. He helped... Um, he helped Clear Creek get started. He helped Randall Graham down at Bonnie Dune get into distillation. Uh, Lance Hansen over at Cap Rock in Colorado. Uh, Lou and Margaret Shady in Connecticut. He taught classes all over the place. Anyway, wow. the apple brandy. So the, one of the most difficult things about that, besides getting apple character into your distillate, because most of it goes away through fermentation, okay. <laughs> um, we cheat and add fresh apples in the still after, after fermenting apples, unfermented, because... The water fraction of those apples actually carries where the the real character, the essence of those apples, okay. lives. Yeah, uh, and it gives us that honey and that beautiful skin note, the little bit of cinnamon that you get from the skin, mm-hmm. all these gorgeous notes. Then the next difficult part is making sure that the the oaking on that, when you put it into barrel, the wood doesn't overpower the fruit. Right. Um, right. French oak is. For me, always the best choice for apple brandy because the characteristics that we get from French oak tend to be soft vanilla and soft cinnamon, which always have a place with apples. 
um, American oak can go sort of dilly and a little aggressive in that sawmill character, huh. uh, and always going with full size barrels. Hmm. Um, small barrels are sort of a silly thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> from, I mean, why? From a cost effective or cost well, standpoint? From a, from a cost effectiveness standpoint, there are a lot of people that dive into the small barrels because they think that the increased surface area is going to give them a, a more rapid maturation. I'm doing air quotes, everybody. Uh, <laughs> And, and what's really the problem is that you're getting a massive, quick extraction of oak character. You get a lot of oak tannins coming through, and you get this big sawmill bomb of a character without balance. There, there are a lot of things that go on in the, the maturation process in oak. One of them is extraction, but you want a slow, measured extraction. The other part is uh, oxygen getting into the product through the pores of the wood that's, that changes so, some of the chemical composition of the spirit. Okay. And then also the evaporation through the barrel of um, some of the higher alcohols. Mm-hmm. Um, those things don't happen in the same balance in a small barrel as they do in a 59-gallon barrel or 53-gallon barrel, depending on whether you're working with a bourbon cask or a wine cask. Okay. So it just the size of the barrel depends on what you want out of yeah. the spirit. Yeah. If you, if, if you want a great big sawmill bomb, Use right. the small barrel. <laughs> Use the small, smaller the better. Yeah, smaller the better. Yeah, absolutely. I want a one ounce barrel from now on. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're having, ten million of them. If you're having some termites over, right? It's a great. Uh-huh. Then that's uh-huh. the thing to they do. Entertaining termites, <laughs> right? So uh, back to your history, real fast. So you you started working at St. George. Yep. Clearly, they liked you. You did something right. I'm not really sure what. I kept them yes. drunk probably the whole time. I did that with my wife, and so uh, that's the whole reason she's still here. Smart. Yeah. Smart. So uh, started, and we were we were. Purely, essentially, an O to V company at that point. We had a grappa. We had a few liqueurs. Okay. Um, I came on board. We started laying down whiskeys. Um, Jorg's directive on the whiskey was, let's make the whiskey all our own. Um, and our single malt is is distilled from what's essentially a smoked brown ale. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of really interesting character in there. Again, we'll get to that uh, after the break. Okay. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Started laying those down, and there was this glorious period of time when I first started distilling there. It was called the off-season. And the off-season <laughs> was the, the roughly seven months of the year when we didn't have fruit in and uh-huh. we weren't distilling whiskey. Uh, and all I did was practice Frisbee. Oh, wow. And I was, I was so good. You were good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd give anybody a run for their money at that point. Um, and one of the other things I would do during that time period was go out with our salespeople um, and visit the market. Mm-hmm. And I saw this proliferation of flavored vodkas. And they were uniformly bad. And people were buying them like crazy. Mm. Um, like uh, like pear vodkas and all that kind of yeah, stuff? And yeah, orange vodkas, things okay, like that. Yeah. And, and I'd pick up a glass of an orange vodka. I'd smell it. And the first thing was this burst of ethanol. Yeah. And then a chemical orange underneath that. When I taste it. <laughs> Same story. Okay. And I went back to the distillery and I said to York, you know, this is crazy. Yeah. These people are spending money buying buying this stuff, making cocktails from it, and they're going nuts for it. And it's really not very good. And we're making these O V's that deliver on all the promise that the label says. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to buy them because they don't understand what an O V is. What if we shift and we start doing something that's a vodka? Yeah. And we created a vodka at that point called Hangar One. Okay. And... Uh, and we launched that, and that sort of propelled us to a, a, a larger stage with a lot of people. It gave us much more exposure um, and allowed us to, to sort of get our message out there as St. George Spirits. Okay. So Hangar One was a different brand, essentially, Yeah, it was, right? a, it was a secondary brand that okay. we started. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think the first spirit I had from, from Hangar One was that Chipotle vodka. Oh, yeah. My God. Bloody Marys were never the same. Yeah, that, was, that. that one was a lot of fun. And that one was, you know, it, it's the act of inspiration. So we had a we had a party at the distillery, and uh, there's a great bartender up uh, up in the Napa Valley named Scott Beatty. <laughs> and Scott was at the distillery making a cocktail called the Erie and Jaya. And as he's making it, he's using uh, Fresno chili peppers, which are just, they're ripe jalapenos, so they're okay. nice and red. And he's slicing them, and he's only using slices from the middle third of the pepper because they're... <laughs> They're aesthetically perfect, and they're his garnish. Okay, so all right, look, okay. right, right. Because so they're not tailored; they're right. tapered, tapered down, exactly, or have a stem. So he's he's throwing the stem end and the tapered end away, and uh, and at the end of the day, there's this bucket full of these things, and I'm like, I'm not going to let those go to waste. <laughs> no. I'm going to infuse them and then redistill them and see what the distillate sure. tastes like. And that became the base of the Chipotle. It became the inspiration for the Chipotle, and then we've tracked down some really, really beautiful smoked. 
peppers mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and worked some pasiles in there as well to give some nice raisiny characteristics. Mm. Um, it was really the goal was to, to really get expressive about peppers and have yeah. this broad spectrum pepper flavor. So th- it works. Short stories. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, man, you're welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find yourself doing that in the distillery, like going, hey, this food product or this thing uh, might be really cool. Let's just distill a batch and see what happens. Far too often. Yeah. Far too often. Okay. Yeah. So there is room for experimentation beyond the the focus of what can we produce on a production level. Like, let's just experiment and do stuff like that. Yeah, it's okay. so we there's there's tons of room for that. As a matter of fact, there's um, 400 square feet. Oh, um, wow. look at that! Uh, actually, <laughs> no, I guess it's 500 square feet. Uh, we have a we have a, a lab space at okay. the distillery that's got a 10 liter still and a 30 liter still, and uh, and it's a room full of amazing mistakes and, <laughs> and wonderful surprises. I, we've distilled. I distilled my Christmas trees for a number of years running. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that yeah. uh, for sure. Well, let's talk about that now. Yeah. What do you mean? Because you were saying that off the air before we started the show, and you sort of got into it, but uh, I wanted to save that story for the air because I think it's really interesting. So what's what? one of my favorite things about Christmas yeah. is the way the house smells oh, God. when you've got a tree in it. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it just broadcasts itself. And it's such a sad thing that that's such a short-lived sensation so <laughs> it really I, is I, I thought one year as i'm taking all the the ornaments and the lights off the christmas tree and it's still in pretty good shape um i'm like i'm going to take you to work with me today it's take your tree to work day <laughs> spirits and i i brought it in and i trimmed all the all the branches off yeah cut it pretty small and then uh and then infuse those into a very neutral high proof spirit for about a week and then put everything into the still after that and what I ended up with from that was this beautiful, clear liquid yeah. that smelled and tasted just like the house at Christmas time. Oh, my God. And, and it gets you drunk. And more. it gets so, you drunk. Yeah. I'm, I'm drunk on the, the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. Uh, it, and, and that's just one of an infinite number of things that you can be inspired by. Yeah. And uh, well, did you did you do anything with it? Is that some is that a product you sold or it was just for fun and it was never going to go anywhere? It was it was for fun. It was one of those things that you use to to menace your enemies and uh, <laughs> and woo your friends. Right. Uh, but it taught me something and it taught me uh, that those flavors could be teased out from things and ended up being a portion of the distillate for our terroir gin. Okay. Where we did the same process with Douglas fir. I typically favor the noble fir mm-hmm. in the house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Agreed. the Douglas fir is one that is uh, is more prominent in the landscapes around the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And the whole goal of the terroir gin was to make a gin that smelled like the hillsides of the Bay Area. Yeah. So had to use the uh, the Doug fir. Right. What's the worst, or I shouldn't say the, the 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 largest mistake that you guys have made in the lab as far as. Um, this thing, uh, uh, you know, pumper, I don't know, whatever. Some, <laughs> Let's grind some, this up and throw yeah, it in the still. exactly. Let's grind this up, throw it in the still. Will it be distilled? And then you drink it, and you're like, this is terrible. Um, you know, I, I'm i hesitant to use, use words like terrible. Okay. Uh, maybe we should never do this again. Yeah. There's there's always something redeeming even about the worst mistakes. Non repeatable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> One off. But yeah. but we will never distill oysters again. Oh I can my promise god. You that. Oh, okay. Uh, we probably won't distill Dungeness crab ever again. It smells oh. like it smells like fisherman's wharf on a hot day. Oh. Uh, yeah. Foie gras we'll probably go back to. Carrots we'll really? probably go back to. Foie gras. Okay. Yeah, foie gras. We did that. Uh, Anthony Bourdain came by the distillery, and, okay. and we knew about two weeks in advance that he was coming. So yeah. we decided okay. let's let's make something. We know that he loves to drink. We know that he loves foie gras. Right. Let's combine those two. <laughs> let's do the Reese's peanut butter cup of foie gras and drinking. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and we distilled uh, some foie gras, and it was remarkable. Really? It was, hmm. it was so. What do you think about it? Foie gras. Uh, he said it was so wrong for all the right reasons. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Bourdain thing to say. Yeah. 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 Has there been That's a crazy. seafood that has worked? Um, it's worked in as much as it smells just like seafood. Uh, <laughs> okay. But it's, uh, it's, it's just out of place in, yeah. a, in a beverage. The The funny thing about the Dungeness crab is that it totally works in a Bloody Mary. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. You know, it, I, I want my Bloody Mary to be a little bit on the meaty side anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's sort of an umami character that ends up coming from the crab, and it makes the, it makes the tomatoes a little bigger, a little bolder. Okay. So that's... That, yeah, but I, I don't think that there will be a seafood that's 
that's a big thing for us. It's so that might be in your Bloody Mary mix yeah. when that comes out. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Top secret. Ooh, Bloody Mary mix. That sounds, uh, sounds delicious. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we're going to get into some spirits and um, start talking about that. What do you think? That sounds like fun to me. All right, let's do that. Everybody stick with us. It is Heads and Tails podcast here with Lance from St. George Spirits, and we will be right back after this. Thanks for hanging out through the break there. Uh, we're back with Lance from St. George Spirits, and we have liquor in front of us, Warren. Yes, we do. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. The room smells a lot better now. It really does. I went out to get some water, and I came back in, and you all were pouring, and I was like, oh, man, it smells so good in here now. It doesn't smell like three dudes and microphones. <laughs> yeah, in a sweaty room. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, all right, Lance, what are we going to drink first, man? Uh, we're going to start on our far right, and that is, all right. uh, that's our Lot 17 single malt. So it's the 17th bottling of our single malt. This is uh, what I was talking about earlier, uh, like a smoky brown ale. So we have, to, to, to be able to geek out with my, my brewer friends, we've got two-row pale malt, yeah, 120-level one crystal malt, uh, chocolate wow. malt, black patent malt, and a little bit of Bamberg malt from Germany, which wow. is sold over Aldern Beach. Uh, this then spends between six and eight years. This this is six-year-old and eight-year-old whiskeys um, that spent time in used bourbon cask, in some recoupered French oak, so it was wine barrels that had been uh, scraped and retoasted. Okay. Uh, port casks, sherry cask, and then some casks from a really fantastic winemaker up in the Napa Valley that does a, a late harvest style wine like a Sauterne. It's okay. like Botrytis influenced and hmm. it's it creates this gorgeous finish on the whole thing. It tastes reminiscent of a brown ale. Yeah. Wow. I um what or what made you want to add the smoked malt? Um, smoke has a nice um, has a nice presence in a whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't want to go with peat smoked because every time and we we played with peat smoked on our smaller stills, and every time we played with that, it was far too reminiscent of somebody else's product. Okay, and our goal here was to be able to create something that was uniquely Saint George Spirits, and the the use of the um, the Bamberg malt helped influence it in that way. Um, Alderwood and beechwood smoke tend to lean towards the sweeter side mm-hmm. of the smoke. And I like a sweeter style of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not not like crazy candy sweet, but it has those sweeter malty notes. Yeah. Um, the the crystal malt brings in some nuttiness. The chocolate malt and black patent malt bring in coffee and cocoa notes. So they thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so they, they really get expressive through the aromatics. I mean, again, okay. what what you picked up, what, right when you picked up that glass, the first thing you said was you really get that brown ale. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes back to being an Ode V distiller. You find a, a beer that you really love, and you find a way to shepherd that through the process. Maybe there's some there, there's some changes that take place along the way, but you still know what its roots were. I, I'm glad that you used a, a wood smoked malt because for some something about the, the peat smoke phenols, I don't enjoy. As much as the wood smoke feels, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I enjoy them, and mm. but I, I I feel like they don't belong to me. They okay. belong mm. to Scotland. Okay, I, I love That's interesting. I take. love a lot of Scotch, but there's something about the super peaty ones that I yeah. can't get behind. Yeah, it, it can be. It can be for me. It can be very iodine like, oh, and mm. I don't. It, it's it's hard. I get I get you. It's hard to enjoy. I like the sweeter malt. Uh, a little bit fine, but mm-hmm. it oh, can yeah. go a long way. But you, yeah. you start to hit the Ardbeg and le, the Lofroig levels, and suddenly exactly. it's a totally different story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, this is this is very good, man. It's it's very good. Um, I would like to drink this brown ale just as a beer. Yeah. Do you brew this at the distillery? Sierra Nevada brews it for us. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, you, it's hard to find a better uh, really brown is. ale than Sierra Nevada brown ale. Yeah, so that we, we, worked on, uh, we worked on a mash bill for this, mm-hmm. and at the time that we started working with them we had five thousand square feet we were pretty small and we were filled up so we didn't have room for a brewing system 
and uh, we reached out to them to find out if they'd be willing to do it, and they were. So, and then now we're in sixty-five thousand square feet, which is um, which is pretty well filled up again. <laughs> so there's there's no room for a, a brew house there. We also lean on our friends right next door at Faction Brew, yeah, okay. uh, who are amazing people. Except for Roger, the owner and head brewer, who's uh, he's the worst human being, ever. worst human being ever, yeah. a curmudgeon it, it, of the of the highest order. It's obvious that you and Roger are close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a good friend of the show, yeah. good friend of ours personally, and he's like he's like the Grinch. Yeah, of the brewing world, but he's yeah, he's a Grinch on the outside, but yes. inside he's like he's like a little kitten. Yeah, uh-huh. he really is. Yeah. Roger's a good dude, and they make incredible beer. Yeah, they their really beer do. is so good. So I, I was uh, just I'm, over I'm glad. there drinking beer the other afternoon, watching oh, the nice. sun go down. Yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty sweet situation. Yeah, yeah. and 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 you have the the best view. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we we or he says that he has the best view in craft beer because you just look right across the the bay there, and there's San Francisco, and then you're right next door, so you probably have the best the best view in uh, craft distilling. Yeah, I, actually, uh, technically, I'd say that we have the best view period because our <laughs> angle's slightly better. That's true. We don't we don't need to split hairs. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, this whiskey's very good. Yeah, let's, let's let's. I really enjoy step, it. Let's step up a little bit. So the, oh, the next one over is our 35th anniversary single malt. Uh, we did 771 bottles of this. It's really, really an expression bottles. of all of our favorite barrels. Uh, Dave Smith, who is, uh, we call him the, uh, I called him my assistant distiller for a long time. Uh, he's our head distiller. He's an amazing guy, and he's got a, a keen talent for picking out barrels and being able to find barrels that play well together. Okay. Um, he took on the, the, the massive task of picking out the barrels for our 35th anniversary. And uh, he picked out uh, eight barrels that were some of our oldest and some of just our most favorite. And this is, uh, this is what came of that. Uh, there are barrels in there that were finished, again, in some of those dessert wine casks. Uh, there are barrels that were finished in some of our uh, rum barrels. Uh, wow. With, hmm. with, we had made rum from California sugarcane that spent time in our old whiskey barrels that then became barrels that <laughs> the whiskey went back into. So it's, wow. it's, 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 yeah, we need like it's, an archivist. Barreling it back like... and forth forever. Yeah. Um, so when, when, sorry, sorry. Sorry. When you're putting the, the spirits into the or whiskey, in this case, into barrels, are you splitting it up into the different types of barrels with the intent of of a blend like this, or you just, well, let's have a few sherry casts, let's have a few bourbon casts. The, the intent is, uh, it's, it's a great question. The, the intent is something like being able to create a spice rack where you know that you're going to have, you've got the same, you've got the same um, malt bill for, the, for, the, for all of these things, <laughs> and, and you're going to get something different out of each one based on the different barrels that they're going into. So you're picking up nuances on each of those barrels, and then you're going to find a way for those to blend together later on. And, and just because in a given batch we're going to do, when we barrel down, we'll do three port casks, two sherry casks, and ten used bourbon, um, that doesn't mean that that's what the blend is going to be that we pull out of that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to pick and choose later on. So certain things will end up sitting for longer. Certain things will be snatched up more quickly. And just when it's ready, it, when it's, it's ready. ready. It's ready. It tells you it's ready. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. We don't go for an age statement on anything. We're, we're just going for this is the best whiskey that we can make right now. Okay. I, I really enjoy this. I think it's a great way to celebrate 35 years. Thank you. Thanks. We're we're very very happy with wow. it. It's, uh, it's turned out really nice. It was uh, Wall, Wall Street Journal did their uh, their gift guide um, just a couple of days ago. I think over the weekend, and mm. we were the only spirit on it, and it was the thirty mm. fifth anniversary. So wow, I love the label, man. It, it looks very old school. It almost looks like old like eighteen hundreds money. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, money's. I mean, I like that. The love of money is not an inspiration for me, but the, <laughs> the, the aesthetics of money. Yeah. I, I love the way currency looks. I love the way old stock certificates mm-hmm. look. And, yeah. and that was the influence. And we reached out to uh, a, a dear old friend named Brandon Josie, who's a uh, uh, recovering bartender okay. uh, and mm-hmm. a, a graphic genius. And yeah. he put those labels together for us and just did a, a real bang-up job. I was very, very pleased with it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think your your description is, 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 is more accurate. It looks like an old stock, old bond certificate. Yeah, that's really cool. 
So that uh, the, I like it. Uh, thank you. I okay. like it. It's inoffensive. It's a, or whatever. What was it? Was it inoffensive? <laughs> inoffensive. Yeah. 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 graphic design. It's very inoffensive. Oh. Yeah, bringing back fond memories. Uh, <laughs> um, the the next whiskey that we've got in the lineup here is uh, is our baller whiskey. Oh, um, and. Uh, it's uh, it's one that was actually inspired by some of our friends who opened up uh, uh, a ramen shop in Oakland okay. uh, that was imaginatively named Ramen Shop. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they, they 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 went way outside the box on that one. Uh, yeah. But fair but enough. They're they're great folks, and uh, and they're out there doing these really. They're elevating ramen in this incredible way, and I sort of wanted to be a part of what they were doing, but. Every time I went into the kitchen, they kicked me out. Every time I went behind the bar, they kicked me out. So I figured the best thing I could do was make something that complemented what they did. Yeah, so which I wanted... sounds like it's a way to get you to not get kicked out. <laughs> exactly. Right. That, that's that's my goal in life, is <laughs> yeah. to find ways to not get not kicked out. Right. Oh, okay. And uh, and on this one, being able to have a nice highball yeah. with, uh, with a really rich, fatty bowl of ramen, it cuts through that fattiness. Um, having a, a really lean smoked whiskey goes that same direction. So this is a much leaner mash bill than our traditional single malt. This mm-hmm. is um, this is two row pale okay. and Munich malt. And that's it. And the okay. Munich malt just gives a hmm. little bit of toastiness, brings the, the malt a little bit more forward, but yeah. not in a way where you're getting that, that candied malt sort of a thing. Going back to your brewing roots again. Right with that, yeah. Roots, yeah. And then uh, this one spends... Two years in used bourbon cask, and then a year in umeshu barrel. Umeshu being uh, uh, a liqueur made from a stone fruit, a Japanese stone fruit, okay. and shochu. Um, and we had to make umeshu to be able to have umeshu barrels because we couldn't find umeshu barrels anywhere. <laughs> oh. so, it's Wait, just what you do. Where does the smoke character come from? Uh, maple. It's maple hardwood smoked. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's and it's a much more aggressive smoke. Uh, part of the reason for that is that this is a younger whiskey; it's three years old, so the mm-hmm. smoke hasn't mellowed. Yeah. Uh, part of it is the fact that uh, you've got a leaner mash bill, and so there's less chocolate and coffee and nut flavors to balance that smoke mm-hmm. this out. And then the the maple smoke is a much more it's a much more vigorous, uh, robust uh, smoke than the Alderan Beach. What a crazy! I've never had anything like this before. Yeah, it, it it does taste like a almost like a food item. But I can see how, as you were saying, it would be very nice pairing with ramen and help cut through the yeah. the heavy oh, yeah. savory flavors. That yeah. are so, there. how would you drink? Would you would you would it be in a cocktail? Would it be over ice? Like how would you how how would I do this when I go and so eat I, ramen? Because yeah. I love ramen. You you you'd have that in uh, in a tall glass with. You know, an ounce of that, yeah. and maybe two and a half or three ounces of uh, of good club soda, and then okay. take uh, um, take a lemon zest, yeah, and just sort of spritz it around and throw it out. Okay, um, you just want the oils drifting on the top, and it's it's lovely like that. Oh, uh, that said, um, one of my friends from the ramen shop was married a couple of years ago in uh, in Maine, in Western Maine, and. We found ourselves bobbing around after the wedding, uh, like probably 25 of us in the lake that was nearby, <laughs> <laughs> drinking drinking baller straight from the bottle. Uh, oh, and God. and it, it really wasn't bad that way either. So okay. Don't have to get too fancy about it. Oh, man, that it, is delicious. It is. It's really good. It's very, very unique. And like you were talking earlier in the first part of the show, you want to make interesting spirits. Yeah. Distinctive spirits. I've honestly never had anything that tastes like this before. No. That's very good. It, it's also the, so far, the lightest uh, in color of right. the whiskeys yes. that we had. Is that directly correlated uh, just to time in the barrel, or can the color? Uh, yeah, no, okay. that's, that's exactly it. Um, the time in the barrel, and then, of course, the type of barrel. I've got, I've got whiskeys at the distillery that are, that are younger than that, that have a lot more color because they're in a brand new first fill barrel. Um, okay, but but those are those are very different styles of whiskey. Those we haven't released those, uh, but they're they're a very different style. I've got a I've got a rye whiskey that's dynamite. Uh, I just need to scale it up. I'm very very excited about scaling that okay. one up because rye. I, for the longest time, I didn't like rye, and okay. I think huh. it's because of the fact that I never met a good one. Right. Um, and then and for me, I think a big thing that that motivates making something is if I find a category. That I just don't like. There's probably something wrong with me about that, and that's mm-hmm. that's that I haven't tried a good one, and so I need to 
I need to get inside its pelt so, okay. uh, and, okay. and, and live in there for a little while and, yeah. and figure out what makes it tick. And yeah. so I make a batch of something, and suddenly I, I get it. So that, that hmm. rye was that way. Anyway. I'm surprised it took you guys that long uh, because, you know, rye is the new, well, I don't know if it's the new thing, but it seems to be a, a hot spirit. It is a hot spirit, yeah. but um, we, don't, we don't go towards something because it's hot or because it's commercial. Yeah. And, and there, are, there are so many things to work on and that we do work on, mm-hmm. and there are only so many hours that my wife will let me spend at the distillery. So uh, <laughs> it, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get yeah. all of them done. So right. uh, and, and when we did the rye, it was like, it, it was sort of a... Rye can be really weird. It can be really temperamental. When we first fermented it, it smelled really cheesy. Okay. Hmm. And then once it was distilled, it focused that cheesiness. And so I'm like, wow, we're going to waste a barrel on this, but we're gonna, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Six months later, all the cheese was gone, and suddenly oh, it's God. candied citrus rind. And then it starts to go towards fruitcake. And right now it's cinnamon and, uh, and cherry cola. And it's from it's, cheese. Yeah, Those are, yeah. From cheese. Those are wow. serious shifts. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Is that to be expected in in uh, distilling? Where you know you, the um, not the wash, but with the the, the first your run. I'm, yeah, the, the, the new make spirit. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, where it smells well, like used like cheese, and then you put it in a barrel and you let it age, and it cleans itself up, and it just transforms into something else entirely. Is that common? Uh, no, it's okay. not common, okay. and it's uh, it's 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 a strange thing for me. But to it say. happens. It happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we don't normally expect it, but okay. I, I I've learned to not be surprised by anything. Anymore, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we have a clear one. Yeah. What is uh, that? Must be the terroir gin. Yeah. Wow. Ah. Who would have thought? thought? So, which uh, year's Christmas tree is in this? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so I, I, I ran out of Christmas trees. So oh, okay. I just don't have enough Christmas trees to keep up on production. <laughs> you on can this. buy more. There's a Lowe's down the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. Save up. The, I'm going to wait till the 26th. I think I might be able to get a cap on. Smart. Um, so, I, I, I was off picking up my son one day. This is probably at this point. Eight years ago, nine years ago, oh God, no! It's 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 almost Uh-oh. ten years ago. No, it was yeah, it was ten and a, compressing <laughs> ten, and a, ten and a half years ago. So uh, yeah, so it was uh, summer of '07. I'm picking up my son from okay. camp. Yeah, beautiful summer day, and as I'm walking into the camp, I'm smelling all these smells. I'm like, God, this smells so good. I can smell the pine trees. I can smell the bay laurel. I can smell uh, I can smell fennel. It's not native, but it's invasive around the place. And you can smell, I can smell the forest floor mulch. I can smell the, the dirt that's being baked by the sun. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to distill that. And so I went back to the distillery. I looked in the lab and I saw all those mistakes that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> and so I shelved the idea until later on and started thinking about gin. And mm-hmm. the gin thought bouncing around in my empty head next to the, the thought of the smells of the hills, yeah. they collided. And it's like, okay, there are flavor overlaps between those, those landscape aromatics and a traditional gin. Yeah. So if we can take those and tease them out and make a bigger gin that's really focused on the landscape, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So bay laurel that I forage for locally, um, dug fir that we forage for mostly locally. Sometimes we go <laughs> as far north as Ukiah for that. Okay. Um, and then uh, coastal sage, wild fennel, juniper, wok-roasted coriander, uh, orris root and angelica root, which fill in the, the role of forest floor mulch. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, orange peel and lemon peel just for brightness. And it ends up being... Oh, and, and cinnamon, which fills in the role of that, that dusty sunbaked trail. Cinnamon smells sweet and dusty. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and to me, it gives that impression of walking in the woods. You know, uh, the, as you were describing that, it, it does remind me, because I went to a summer camp that had those very same smells up by Guerneville, up in the, in the mountains somewhere. Gorgeous up there. Yeah, the redwood, the, the sun-baked tray. And, yeah. and at first I was like, oh, it, it, there's in my mind, my beer mind, I'm going, okay, it's like a, like a DMS or kind of like a buttery thing. Yeah. But then you said the sun-baked trail and warm dirt like warm earthiness and that kind of came out more to me and so so now i think anytime i smell that i'm going to be thinking the sun-baked trail because your description <laughs> was perfect yeah. of, and i think you hit everything in there and then taking a sip 
it is it, honestly bringing me back to being 14 at Boy Scout camp. Because you drank a lot of gin when you were Because I drank a t- Well, no, I ate a lot of dirt. Okay. I was okay. that kid. I had oh. to be separated. It was a whole thing. But yeah. um, no, just the, was the that, smells. Was that pica or were other kids forcing you to eat dirt? <laughs> I'd rather not say. Okay. Um, His friends. <laughs> yeah, I have really good friends. They're all in jail now. No, um, <laughs> Big but, shout out to those friends. <laughs> that's right. Um, but uh, yeah, just just thinking about being, in, especially on, on a warm day uh, with the, with the, the, the bay laurel. The trees right there, yeah. um, the forest floor. I mean, it, it was a great descriptor, and, and this is exactly what that is. Thanks. It's, it, for, for those reasons, wow. it's, it's one of the, the products that I'm the proudest of from the distillery because, <laughs> you know, whiskey's sort of a, a performance art thing where you, yeah. you give it the best possible start, but then you put it in the hands of fate once it goes into a barrel because it okay. can change anyway. Mm. Right. Reference the rye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, but... With something like this, this is a very deliberate construction of a flavor and aromatic profile, and it's an attempt to paint an olfactory picture of a landscape that you really love. And it's like if you, if I drew a picture of my mom, yeah, like on paper, I'd be embarrassed, and she she'd say to me, "Do you really think I look like that?" To you? <laughs> uh, uh, and, and we'd all be sad, right? But this, and I would have been sad if I hadn't been able to faithfully execute what those what those smells were and i feel like it just nailed it did you yes is that something you did just on your first go no it took it took easily seven months of trial and error okay mostly error uh to to really get to that place okay on a smaller scale yeah right on a smaller scale and then and then it took a number of uh a number of attempts on the big stills Mm -hmm. to be able to to nail it you can't just scale that recipe up one to one it's not linear it doesn't just okay Hmm. all right what is the the base of the gin? It's a it's a non-GMO corn. Okay. So what we're looking for in this gin is like the cleanest, blankest slate, so that all the flavors of the different botanicals that we're putting in have nothing to to try and balance against other than one another. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All very right. Nice. Let's let's move on to some more color. Now we're back to the color. We are. And this uh, we, were, we were talking about uh, about the holidays earlier, and yeah. uh, this is our spiced pear liqueur. Spice pear liqueur, wow! Um, it's it's crazy. Oh man, yeah. So I, I see why it's a reference to the holidays, absolutely. just with the ar- aroma. <laughs> where refinement meets bravado, I like it. Yeah, I, I don't, don't even remember where that line came from. Probably my wife; she's brilliant. <laughs> uh, are you listening, honey? Um, so, oh, by the way, if you were listening, uh, you heard "experiment" uh, pronounced the same way you do. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, so this is, uh, if you took our pear brandy, which is redolent of beautiful, ripe Bartlett pears, mm-hmm. uh, and added to that stick cinnamon and whole cloves, wow. let that infuse, and then took that infusion and mm. set it down in strength with pear juice, and then added cane sugar to bring the sweetness up, and then filtered all that out, you'd have this. Jeez. Um, and and yeah. it's just this, it's, it's a nicely balanced picture of the sweetness of the pear and the spices and some good acidity. Um it's it's lovely like this on its own. It's delicious in whiskey cocktails. It's delicious in cocktails with apple brandy. Do you ha- w- what would be a whiskey cocktail this would go into? Um, if you can rattle one off. Yeah, off the by top name of I could, by name I couldn't tell you, but what I what I say is you know you put uh, a half an ounce of that, an ounce of whiskey, a uh, little bit of lemon juice. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything else. It's just it, it, and uh, and serve that on the rocks. And it's I, delightful. Okay. I think for a, right. a family party, you just fill a crock pot up with that, <laughs> put it on low, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. Take everyone's keys and anything sharp <laughs> away, and right. then just go to town, man. And, I, yeah. and, and the, our website is a, is a wealth of information about different cocktails that you can make with any of these. Mm-hmm. And it's if you just go to www.stgeorgespirits.com um, and go to cocktails or recipes, you'll be able to find tons of things to do with all these. I usually just sit around and drink them straight, straight, with yeah. a crazy straw. <laughs> uh, do you find that uh, the kind of uh, I don't even know how to ask this question? Um, like in craft beer, because that's kind of what I know. Um, it seems like you need to uh, the, the salespeople come in and they kind of tell everybody how to serve their beer, or uh, you know, it, it can go well with this other beer that you have, and kind of help the the bars like diversify their portfolio a little bit yeah um but in the craft spirits world it seems like people are telling consumers uh, or helping them to make cocktails 
Like they're kind of reminding people like, hey, spirit, you can make a bunch of cocktails with this. You don't just need to drink the gin straight or, you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of people go, oh, gin, I don't drink gin. And then they'll go to the bar and order, you know, gin and tonics or, or, or uh, drinks with gin in them. Um, so to me, it seems like there's a much more wide scale, uh, uh, I don't know, dissemination of cocktail recipes between distilleries. Yeah, 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 there definitely is, and uh, it was really, complicated to say. But yeah, yeah, I did it. And, and did it's, it. it's, it's, you said it's it. Thank seemingly you. one question with many, many answers, it, uh, and, and then and then a, and then just a statement at the end. So yeah. that's the way I work. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just going to nap here and watch you do your thing. Please do. Uh, so, so uh, yes, yes. Uh, we, we do <laughs> get a lot of that, but but we get a lot of that from uh, from just really talented bartenders, and there are so many talented bartenders out there, and they're. They're they're the artists that are using our colors to paint. Yeah, and these these are things that they're putting together much more complicated compositions with, and because they're able to work with better quality material, those compositions, by that nature, are going to be better. Um, and and coming back to you know I uh, I need a cocktail because I don't I don't drink gin. What can I make with this? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't drink gin or don't like gin because all the gins that they've tried have been gins that are lackluster mm-hmm. or maybe maybe just not to their liking um, like beef eater or something mm-hmm. standard right. and maybe one dimensional yeah and 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 there you've got some others that are that are standard and not one dimensional like a like a tanker a10 that might be too big in some ways for some people mm-hmm. I, I i happen to have a ton of respect for it uh but uh but you know people are always looking for they, they need to look for something different before they completely discount an entire category yeah, yeah. well that's what i love about this the craft spirits is that just inherently it's 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 much more flavor focused and i think it has number 1 a better story but the flavors are better mm-hmm. and they're they're there you can tell there's time and attention and care in in these yeah oh yeah and that's much that's what i really appreciate about this you know, i don't know I'm what glad you can tell that but an industry happy. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the the craft spirits movement really actually got me even willing to try gins again. I had written them off for years. Oh, same. And totally. Now I'm a huge fan, and whenever I see a craft gin, it's You'll one of the top it. of my list. Yeah, awesome. just to try. That's and great. so, thank and that's, you. That's that's when craft is actually really working. Mm-hmm. I love it when mm-hmm. it works that way. That, yeah, that makes me happy. This uh, spice pear liqueur is rad. Yes, it's really good, man. <laughs> thank you. Wow. You should uh, fill up a crock pot at your Christmas party on Saturday. You know I will. <laughs> yeah. I will drink it. <laughs> that's yeah. Wow, that's that's really good. I could, I could just keep drinking this and tell you the same thing over and over again. That's really good. But uh, let's move on to the last one, the the sad last one we have here. What's oh, what's this one? Wah, wah, wah. It's only, only sad. sad. Only it's sad only sad because it's the last one. Yes. Last, but right. you know that's that's fine. It's not it's not sad otherwise. That's our Bruto Americano, which is uh, an aperitivo. Uh, the weird story about this one is that when I started work on this, it wasn't going to be an aperitivo. It was going to be a fernet. Uh, Fernet style Amaro. And okay. uh, as I was working with all these different bitter ingredients, the picture that they were Ooh. revealing to me was not one of Fernet. It was an aperitivo. And so instead of trying to fit that square peg into a round hole, I, I decided that what I would do is go with what it was saying and make an aperitivo. What's and, the difference between the two? Yes. So uh, an aperitivo typically is going to be a little lighter. Uh, it's uh, Alcohol content is going to be much lower. We're, we're at 24% on this one versus 40% for a Fernet. Mm-hmm. Fernets tend to be very, very dark and heavy and have, uh, it's a generalization. It's a very rash generalization, yeah. but, uh, but also have uh, saffron. Okay. Saffron's mm-hmm. one of the big parts of it. Uh, whereas this is something that's meant to, to come before a meal, uh, and you can mix it with soda. Uh, you can mix it with a lot of things. It makes a fantastic Negroni, especially with the terroir gin. Um, I actually really like this one in in beers. You know, sometimes hmm. like a, in, in Germany they put Woodruff syrup yes. into a beer. Right. right, this works that same way, and it's got it's got huh. a good edgy bitterness. It's got some woodsy flavors. Uh, we use uh, the bark of the California buckthorn tree, which Ooh. gives cinnamon and a little bit of uh, a little bit of sandalwood note. Hmm. Uh, there's Seville orange peel, California Seville orange in this. There is. Um, Gentian root, which gives the the bulk of that that bitter punch to it. The aroma is very different than the flavor to me. Yeah, which I find really interesting. I'm yeah. expecting it. The, the aroma is very woody and just bitter, 
but then the, the you get a lot of sweetness in the flavor. You get a lot of sweetness, and then on the on the end, as you exhale, it tastes like the aroma. Yeah, it's a it's mm-hmm. a, I've again never had anything like this. It's a completely bizarre drink to me, and I'm trying to wrap my you shorted out my brain with this, <laughs> yeah. especially coming from like the spice pear, I wish, which I wish is these very mics lush. Mounted, I would drop one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really what I feel like. Th- th- it just it, I'm I'm broken right now because. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, <laughs> but I'm not sure what's happening. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. This is, uh, this is, wow. And so, I could definitely see this going great in a Negroni type cocktail. Absolutely. So I get the sandalwood, um, and then everything else. I don't know if I've ever smelled anything like it before. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a bunch of things in there that you've, you've probably never seen or heard of. Yeah, uh, there are about sixteen different botanicals that went into that one. Um, and the, there are only a handful of them that I'm letting people know are in there. Mm-hmm. So, trade secrets. Trade Why not? Secrets, yeah. baby. That's it. Yeah. Uh, there's also a little balsam fur in there. Balsam fur <laughs> uh, has a slightly sweeter, greener note than uh, than the dog fur. Can you say what gives it the the red color? I can. It's cochineal, which is a it's a small bug that lives on uh, on cactus cactus blades. Um, there, it's something that was traditionally used to color uh, Campari for years and years. Okay. All right. uh, it's it's a it's a standard food coloring, uh, natural food coloring dye. It's a, it's a dye that's also used quite a bit for textiles. Uh, they're they're harvested in Peru and Argentina, hmm. uh, and then processed with water to to give uh, carminic acid, which is what gives them oh. the color. Oh, okay. So you're not actually throwing the bugs in, in no, the still. No, okay. this is like no, lobsters. Just, just, just bug juice. Bug juice, uh, okay. I, initially, I was going to call this a succo d'insetto, which uh, is Italian for, for bug juice. Uh, okay. But brutto americano, which is Italian for ugly American, uh, just, uh-huh. just felt much more appropriate. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, it definitely fits, man. I mean, it's a beautiful color. Thanks. Um, this is super interesting, man. And I'm glad you brought it. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought it because... I've never had anything that tastes like this. No, neither have I. I you wouldn't I, drink it straight. Like you wouldn't go. You know what I really want? I I, I actually uh, do a surprising amount of time. Really? Uh, but but I do love it really as uh, with just with soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruto and soda usually one part Bruto to two and a half parts soda water. Perfect. A little bit of, little bit of but cut with soda water, right? Yeah. Okay, but yeah. not just like right out of the bottle. Not like you wouldn't yeah. be bobbing in the lake drinking the Bruto Americano <laughs> like you did with the the it, baller. It right? really depends on the lake. The <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Well, uh, Lance, I appreciate it, man. You brought uh, you brought a lot of good stuff, My pleasure. and uh, it, it was all man. That spice. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that spice pear liqueur again, yeah. Warren, because that's. Uh, I could see possibly having some Bruto Americano if you're going to have some sweet, fruity dessert. Just having a, an ounce of that or something to drink oh, alongside yeah. of it. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, to just kind of. Glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Totally. That sounds amazing. Uh, where can people learn more about your spirits and St. George in general? Um, our website is a great way to go without leaving the comfort of your mom's basement. Uh, (laughs) You know our listeners. Yes, which is uh, (laughs) stgeorgespirits.com. It's just S-T-G-E-O-R-G-E spirits.com. But we have a tasting room in Alameda that's an even better place to go. You You can see things. You can smell things. You can taste things. You can slither on your belly like a reptile. It's uh, it's a good spot. Uh, we're in Alameda. Go to our website for for directions and for yeah. information about uh, tour and tasting hours. But it's typically Wednesday through Saturday, noon to seven. Sunday noon to five. Okay, and you can just stop in and and have a sample flight. You, and, you can okay. if uh, if I encourage people to make reservations. They can do that online. Okay, uh, because it can get crowded during during peak periods and certainly during the holidays. Uh, but you uh, you can reserve online through our website. Perfect. And where are you distributed across the country? Uh, Everywhere. Just, you Everywhere? you did it again. God. You answered your own question. Uh, yes, across wow. the country. Where uh, right. I make it easy on you, and that's what I want to do. I, I really appreciate that. I'll come here every damn day. Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah. Anywhere fine spirits are sold, 
I love it. I love nice. it. All right, Lance. Thank you very much, man. Again, I appreciate it. Warren, I want to thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I want to thank our sponsor, Pico Brew, for the Pico Still. Yes. So you guys want to do some funky, weird, aromatic stuff, you can do that with the Pico Still, and uh, you know it'll come out great. Since this is our second show, should we start asking for feedback? Yes, you can send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there is a distillery that you want us to talk to and uh, sample their cocktails and ask the hard-hitting questions like, uh, you know, what's a cocktail recipe <laughs> yeah. that we can make with yeah. this? Yeah. What is a still? <laughs> yeah. What is a still and why am I not? Yes. Uh, anyway. Uh, yes. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you very much again to Pico. Thank you much to Lance from St. George Spirits. And, really uh, great to be here. Thanks to Warren. Oh, thank you, Jason. You're welcome. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.